Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This guy is a machine. All he does is work out and pick winners. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Chicago Sports Betting Show. Touchdown, Ohio State. There are some folks who are celebrating and others who are saying, you've got to be kidding. You kind of know what I'm thinking about. Over or under? Under would be the key word. Hello? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. A half hour away from another Saturday and Sunday of You Better You Bet, 9 to 11 a.m. on 670 The Score and other intercom stations around the country. I'll be with Danny Parkins and Nick Costos. Before that, two excellent NFL and college football handicappers. One of our friends to early odds throughout this football season has been Adam Chernoff. He hosts a simple handicap podcast, and it's a daily podcast. Uh, Not five days a week. He also throws one out there for you guys on Saturdays and Sundays, 10 to 15 minutes. Get you set for the day and the week of sports betting. And Adam, up by you, I don't know how it's been, but uh, we don't know how to react. In January in Chicago, it's been in the 50s the last couple of days. Yeah, a lot better than up here where we're today at minus 23 Celsius. That'll be about minus 18 Fahrenheit, not accounting for the wind chill. Wow, Adam uh, up in Canada. And Adam, I mentioned the Simple Handicap podcast, which I listen to on a regular basis. I heard you discussing making that transition. You love to handicap college basketball, but it is such a stark difference going from the NFL, obsessing over these games for a good five to six days, breaking down all the matchups, watching the line movement, and then you get to college basketball and, okay, you figure out what you like early and probably better early. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it it comes very quickly because, I mean, NFL obviously 12 to 16 games a week for the better part of four and a half months. And then you get into January here and all of a sudden college basketball picks up with conference play and NFL dies down despite it being sort of higher profile games. But certainly when you're doing something for five to six days a week, full stop for a good six to 10 hours every single day, you wait for your results to be validated on that one single day, Sunday, every single week. Uh, very different sort of mindset and approach when all of a sudden you're doing that work in the morning and you're getting your results at night. So it's a, quite a mental shift when you're all of a sudden looking at your winning and losing streaks going from a winning run to a losing run potentially within the same week rather than having that stretch over for a month or two. So it's it very different. 
It's a very different animal, to say the least. Well, we've got two NFL playoff games today, two more coming up tomorrow. Let's move through these in chronological order. Some people call this the best weekend of the NFL season. And this afternoon, the Vikings will visit the Niners after shocking the Saints in the Superdome. San Francisco's favored by a touchdown. Total has been holding around 44. How do you handicap this one? Well, it was interesting to see a pretty strong snap reaction to the price that hit the board immediately after Minnesota won that game when we knew that this would be the matchup for Sunday. So the the odds on this one went up much quicker than the prices we saw on Saturday last weekend. And it was instant support for Minnesota. And I guess I can understand that from a what-you-just-saw perspective in terms of just seeing Minnesota beat the Saints and now seeing that price above a touchdown. We saw it open at like 7.5 at some spots. But for me, if I'm if I'm digging into this and I look into both what happened last weekend and what could occur this weekend, the Vikings were in as favorable of a matchup as they potentially could have been against the New Orleans Saints. And if you were to sort of draw out all the different spots where – they had an advantage working in their favor. The execution that they put forth worked for them in every single spot. So just quickly sort of rambling them up. The Saints, they had those two big defensive line injuries, and we knew they had a lack of speed, but those injuries happened uh, week 14 against the San Francisco 49ers. They were never tested against the run. The Vikings, with their own outside zone running scheme, were able to exploit that, and we saw that injury really show through for the first time on the Saints' defensive line. The Minnesota Vikings are a defensive line, the other side of the football. They moved their outside edge rushers inside the middle, were able to get pressure on Drew Brees where he's most uncomfortable, right up the middle in his face. And the Saints, despite having arguably the best offensive line in the NFL, they didn't do anything to adjust for that at all throughout the course of the game. And that really reflects, in my opinion, Sean Payton, probably the worst coaching performance of his career, Drew Brees one of the worst performances in his career as well. And we saw his limitations, this Vikings weakness, their cornerbacks out wide. Breeze was not able to throw that deep ball. And I think that was reflected in Taysom Hill, the backup QB, coming in and throwing that deep pass to get the big completion and get the Saints on the scoreboard. And now you sort of take all of that, you throw in the fast surface that they were playing on in the Superdome, you move over to the West Coast in Levi's Stadium, You obviously get a much slower playing surface, which slows down the Vikings' run game, but it also slows down the pass rush that they were able to generate. You look at this San Francisco defensive front, the quickest defensive front in the NFL, so that's a very stark difference to what we saw with the New Orleans Saints. You see a San Francisco pass rush, second highest pressure rate in the NFL with the fourth lowest blitz rate. These guys get pressure with their front four. They don't need to bring extra guys. That keeps them uh, securing coverage. And you get uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, as much lack, he lacks playoff experience, obviously, with his first start, but he has the arm to threaten these Minnesota cornerbacks out wide. And Kyle Shanahan certainly has the scheme to get a lot of these guys open. I think we're going to see San Francisco have a lot of success from heavy personnel packages, two tight ends, two running backs, really get Minnesota going left and right and then hit them deep. Uh, This is a spot where I understand why the Minnesota price came down initially. Personally, I have some six and a half in my pocket with San Francisco. Not going to do much good for anybody listening now with this at seven, moving towards seven and a half, potentially with San Francisco, a pretty good teaser leg to consider bringing this number down through the seven and the three with the price where it is right now. 
I'll probably look to sort of buy back with Minnesota the other way and potentially set up a middle on seven. But I would say San Francisco in a teaser leg, probably a good look to have with the number where it is when you'll be listening to this show. Yeah, this is always the most popular way that people use teasers. You go through the seven, through the three with the favorite, but that's the only game you can do that since we have uh, a couple games sitting at 10 and the Green Bay game only down at four. So this is going to be by far the biggest teaser leg, and it will be a big weekend for the books if Minnesota pulls the outright victory, correct? Yeah, probably not to the extent of what we saw last weekend where – uh, the Saints were at seven and a half, and they were the most popular teaser leg by far. Obviously, with the Vikings winning outright, killed a ton of teasers, killed a lot of parlays. I don't know if it'll be the same extent this week. Um, things appear appear a little more balanced to me, at least from my perspective. But um, certainly, it would probably be a situation where the books would be looking. Uh, ideally, the best case scenario for them would be like a San Francisco one or two point win because then you're not paying out the underdog money line tickets with Minnesota mm-hmm. and you're still cashing those Vikings teasers. But uh, for sure, I would say from a book perspective, if the Vikings are able to win, it's not going to be a losing result for anyone, maybe unless you're running some sort of operation in the streets of Minnesota. Okay. So yeah, we both like that one teaser leg, but what about the second teaser leg? Let's work through the rest of these games and tonight, um, just like last Saturday night, the Titans will be in action this time. It's not Foxborough. They will be visiting the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Baltimore favored by 10, a total of 47. So I was listening to a couple of my friends to do another show, and they were saying, could you imagine if the Patriots would have scored on that goal line stand or just even kicked a single field goal in the second half and ended up winning that game? How much criticism Ryan Tannehill and the Titans offense would be taking for putting up just 4.8 yards per play and 72 total passing yards in their win or would have been a loss against the New England Patriots. But nevertheless, I think that that's sort of the main talking point in this. We saw a Titans team put up 72 passing yards and win a playoff game on the road. And I think that that's pretty shocking overall, especially when you couple it with the fact that there's been support for the Tennessee Titans for the majority of the week, this was the price that opened and was immediately bet down in favor of the Titans. So a similar spot where we're seeing sort of that snap reaction off of a team that just won last weekend. But this is going to be much similar to Minnesota, a very different matchup for the Tennessee Titans. A lot of the success they had against New England running the football with Derrick Henry that's catching a lot of press was for two reasons. First of all, New England sold out stop the pass and concede that run and the reason that they did that was because we saw when you have a near historic performance like Henry had you still end up only scoring 14 points if the all those yards come on the ground so the difference between a great game passing and a great game rushing pretty strong contrast in that regard but so one New England conceded a lot of those yards in the first half but two New England very undersized within the defensive front seven in comparison to the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore, enormous in the front seven, some great run-stopping defenders, and something they do extremely well is defend the outside. And Tennessee, with Derrick Henry, they like to set up that outside stretch run and then cut back. Baltimore, only five missed tackles on opponents running outside this entire season. So not only is Baltimore much bigger and more physical in the front, uh, but they're also defend, very good at defending a similar scheme anytime they face it to what the Tennessee Titans like to run offensively. And I look at the Titans' defense 
This was the worst secondary I had rated coming into the playoffs. I don't think they did themselves much to improve that against New England. And now they're facing a Baltimore Ravens team. Significant step up, and the Ravens very good on first and second down, especially when it comes to throwing the football uh, sort of in those known run situations when they change it up and look to pass. That's where they have the most success. Tennessee, this secondary 28th in pass success rate defense on first and second down for the entire season. This is going to be one of the easier secondaries the Baltimore's had a chance to throw into for the entire season. I think the number at 10 I, is still a little bit short, in my opinion. Uh, it could potentially move up a little bit further before we get the kickoff, but I'm quite interested in the total, to be honest. We're still looking at two of the best offensive teams for the duration of the NFL season, and this is a total that came down, in my opinion, a bit of an overreaction to the weather reports that were lingering around earlier in the week and just sort of the perception of how both of these teams play. I think this is much more of a passing game than it is a running game for both of these teams, and we might see a ton of points and this total fly over 47 a little bit later tonight. Adam, does either uh, team total look appealing to you? I'm seeing the Ravens. This has been moving up throughout the week at 29.5 and and the Titans 17.5. I'm not a huge team totals guy. I have a hard time handicapping a game where I'm only looking at half of the possessions. But just from the fact that I would like to look over the total here for the full game, I would have to lean over on both of those team totals as well. Okay, very good. This is Joe Ostrowski along with my guest, Adam Chernoff, the host of the Simple Handicap Podcast. Early odds on Sports Radio 670, the score. I'll give all my uh, sides, totals, player props, all the stuff that I'm looking at coming up, and you better, you bet. And we'll get going for two hours once again this weekend, today and tomorrow. That starts at 9 o'clock. And Adam, let's move to Sunday at Arrowhead on uh, Twitter, at least on my timeline. I know the jokes will be flying. This is the Ryan Pace Bowl. You get Watson and Mahomes, but no, no, no. He wanted Trubisky. Uh, Coming up tomorrow afternoon, Texans at the Chiefs. The uh, second largest point spread of the weekend here. KC minus nine and a half. The highest total of the weekend at 51. And this total was smashed up as well. It was sort of lingering around 47 and a half, 48. And quickly the 51 and through the 51 of the couple of places. So pretty good indication there when you see a total move that size that uh, likely going to be validated on tomorrow when we see these two teams take the field. My focus here much more on the side. Uh, I had a pretty heavy look earlier in the week on Kansas City. Uh, a number of people that I bet with as well were very intrigued by the Kansas City Chiefs at that price too immediately after it opened. This is a KC team that I've had rated just Slightly, and I say this, but I haven't rated higher than Baltimore, but important to put sort of clarification to how much higher my ratings go from 0 to 100 on a scale. I had KC 91 and Baltimore 90 for the better part of the final six weeks of the season. So in my opinion, KC the best team in the NFL, but it's essentially rating them equal with Baltimore given the the difference between the two. And I I think that this is a spot where – Houston's going to have an extremely difficult time stopping Kansas City on any drives throughout the course of the game. I don't know what they're going to put forth to do it. I looked last week, this Houston Texans defense, they allowed Buffalo to go for 415 yards in regulation. And we know how putrid that Buffalo Bills offense was in the final 15 to 25 minutes of the game. But still, fact remains that they give up 19 points, 415 yards, which would typically result in a much higher point total. But Buffalo had first downs on the Houston 22, 23, and 14-yard line in that game last weekend. 
they came away with field goals on each of those drives. And this was a Houston red zone defense that ranked dead last in the NFL going in. So we saw an all-season performance from the Texans inside the red zone to hold Buffalo from scoring a touchdown on either of those three drives. But this was very close to a game where Buffalo hung 30-plus points in Houston in the playoffs, sort of disguised as a 19-point performance. But nevertheless, that was a Buffalo Bills team, 28th in pass success rate offense for the season, 10th in rush success rate offense for the season. What does it look like now that Houston goes on the road to Arrowhead to play KC, who's third and fifth, respectively, in both of those categories? And I think a key thing to note here, these two teams played earlier in the season in week six. Kansas City was without five starters on both sides of the football. They were without two offensive linemen. And that was the first game that Patrick Mahomes was playing with that pretty serious ankle injury that he was dealing with. So not only was he unable to get outside of the pocket and roll around where we know he's most successful, but when he was forced to stay in the pocket, he didn't have two of his starting linemen in front of him protecting him. So this was a spot in week six where Houston was able to take advantage of a very different-looking Kansas City offense. And now not only is every active roster player healthy for Kansas City, all 52 players on the active roster were in practice in full this week, but now you get Casey off of the bye. You have Andy Reid with the extra week of preparation. <laughs> where he's historically been extremely good. Yes. And you get Houston coming off a five-quarter football game. So very different look here. Kansas City very overlooked within their defense as well, can generate a lot of pressure. Houston gave up seven sacks last week to Buffalo. From just a ranking standpoint, KC very comparable to Buffalo and played a much more difficult schedule in the regular season in terms of opposing offenses. I think this could get ugly in a hurry for the Houston Texans. I would certainly lean towards the Kansas City Chiefs here uh, with plenty of points to come. Adam, did you get KC in a teaser leg when it was sitting at 8.5 last weekend? I I laid a straight 8, and I did so for nice. a pretty considerable stake. So I took that straight. If you're looking at a number today that you can tease down to like a minus three you always want to go through the three and the seven as you mentioned early in the show Mm -hmm. Uh, but if you're looking at a little bit bigger number here on saturday and you can tease it through the three and the seven uh or at least get it down to the three i think it's a reasonable leg considering how many points i think casey can score here yeah and there are some sites out there that they offer you a cheap six and a half in a teaser if you want to go that route as well later on today lambeau field seahawks packers Adam, this is the game I'm having the most difficult time with, at least on the side. We open at Green Bay minus three and a half. I see all these people saying, oh, this is a Seahawks bet, Seahawks bet. But I guess there's been public money coming throughout the week. You can tell me more about this. It's climbed to four, and at some shops, four and a half with a total of 47. So I have the great idea seeing this number. I, I was just anticipating no matter what, that it would move against the Green Bay Packers right. number came out because if we're going to put it in perspective, Green Bay, probably the most undeserving bye week team, at least in my lifetime <laughs> in the NFL playoffs. So I was like, there's, it's certainly going to move against them. So I was like, I'm taking Seattle plus four and it's going to go back to three. I'm going to take Green Bay minus three and I'm going to hope for a tight game that ends in a three or four point win. And I'll cash one of my tickets. I'll have very little risk on either side and I was going to be happy with it and put it away. And I took four, it went up to four and a half a day later. So the support for green Bay, uh, certainly in the market, but I wonder if it's actual support for the green Bay Packers 
or if this is just Packers fans wanting to fade the Seahawks, or if it's Seahawks fans wanting to fade the Packers. Because we talk about how undeserving Green Bay is to be a bye week team. They've been outgained on the season overall. They're minus 0.2 net yards per play. Seattle's probably a comparable second to another team that doesn't necessarily deserve to be in this spot, like minus 0.1 net yards per play. So just slightly better than Green Bay, but these are still two teams outgained on the season. And I think a lot of people have seen the tweet by now. If you reverse the results of one score games on the season, Seattle has the worst record in the NFL, winning 11 games by single digits, which we know over time is not sustainable as a team. So awfully interesting. I I don't have much here. It was just going to be strictly a numbers play. One thing I do sort of think is worth pointing out is the Packers against play action have struggled for the course of the season. While Seattle doesn't have the most uh, wise coaching staff, is a nice way to put it, that's really able to optimize the game plan and maximize um, their strengths against an opponent's weakness. If Seattle is forced to pass and can get that play-action game working, could find a lot of success. And the Packers have conceded a lot of yardage on the ground because of how small they are on defense and how Mike Pettin loves to play with extra defensive backs. Seattle doesn't really have anyone in the backfield, but they do have Lynch, who is, despite his lack of speed and obviously the age that he's putting on, still a very violent and pretty enormous running back in the backfield. So with size working in his advantage, uh, if Seattle can get just something going in the pass game, I think they can also end up running the football with some success too, but not really a spot where I have a a clear edge either way. I got kind of cute, thought I could play some numbers here. (laughs) It didn't work out, so I ended up buying out with Green Bay, and I lose the juice essentially regardless of what happens unless this lands on four. So uh, just a game that now I'm pretty happy to be staying away from. Is Seattle a strong teaser leg going through seven and maybe ten? Not necessarily something that gets me to the window with that, but with this being as tight of a game as I sort of anticipate it potentially being, it's certainly potentially possible if you're looking to tee Seattle up above double digits, where historically they've really played the majority of the games with Russell Wilson inside of that range. So um, not not the worst option for sure. Follow Adam on Twitter at Adam Chernoff and subscribe to the Simple Handicap Podcast. Adam, best of luck this weekend, and and we'll talk soon, uh, probably about some college hoops, all right? Thanks, Joe. Enjoy the games this week. And the exclamation point of these games, Monday's national championship between LSU and Clemson. The Action Network's Colin Wilson dropped by You Better You Bet this week, and I asked Colin what the line should be. This line should be LSU minus one or at a pick. There's really two different kinds. You're going to hear people say math guys. Math guys are people like myself or people like Rufus or people like the do power rating systems and they use statistical based box scores to make lines. And you're not going to find anybody out there that's going to have LSU at this number. And like I said, this on the podcast was stuck. If you look at the trending metrics, which is like the last five games, then you're going to make LSU about minus three and a half. So even in a system where they have heavier weight over the last couple of games, they can't even get it up as high as this. So the number is completely inflated, but you know that's creating great value and a great market for somebody like myself to come in and, and grab a Clemson number and feel pretty comfortable about it. 
When I hear someone like you, Colin, who again, and like, I don't just say this because you're on the show, like people that should be following you on Twitter, checking out all your work, one of the sharpest college football minds out there. When you tell me that in a game that's going to have volume like this, that everyone's going to bet on the biggest game of the season and you have like a five point difference, is this going to be one of your bigger bets of the season? Like, is this, is that something you would recommend to like, it's like, uh, for me, it is like, I don't know if it, if it there, is for you as well. There is a casino in Vegas right now, and I won't say who they are, but they're holding a six and a half. There is a current text thread conversation going on with the uh, bookmaker, myself, and two other individuals that live in Las Vegas. If they would possibly be open to a minus 120 on a seven. Uh, and that's where we're trying to get our money down. Because the whole thought, we want seven, right? NFL is going to play itself out on Saturday and Sunday. And then each book is going to have parlay liability in coordination with the NFL divisional round. And so there's going to be mm -hmm. some books that are going to need that Clemson money pretty bad. And they may give you a seven minus 115. So the big decision now is, is can we find that seven minus 120 and lay into that? Volume-wise, are you asking me? This will be one of the bigger games that I bet, especially at seven. Colin Wilson there and Adam Chernoff before that with an in-depth breakdown of the NFL Divisional Round. Up next, two hours of You Better You Bet. Myself, Danny Parkins, Nick Costos, right here on 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.